Merry Christmas! More like a Happy New Year right now. Happy New Year, yeah. And for all of you listening to this, this probably didn't even come out anywhere near, or maybe maybe like a month after the holiday season. Um, But Paul, as we're jumping into uh, this next game, I wanted to ask you a question. Is there a time of year that you find yourself playing games more often? Growing up, probably... During summer, just because summer vacation, mm-hmm. uh, just having so much more free time. Uh, as an adult, uh, winter. Just you know, we live in Michigan. It gets dark. It stays dark. It's just dark all the time. And I find myself being inside more. And being inside more just causes me to play more games. And I just you know, when you don't want to go outside and cold, there's only so many things you can do. And that games is a really easy thing to turn to, mm-hmm. uh, especially since you don't have to. Uh, have other people physically with you to do them. Yeah. I feel like for the last number of years, even just like that couple, like a week of in between Christmas and New Year's, like after after Christmas, you got, if you got some new games that you can play. Um, and I think a lot of it to me is like connected to boredom, which is probably why uh, the summer used to be a time of uh, playing more games because we didn't have as many things going on back then. But anyways, that's kind of an interesting thought. Same for you? I think, to be honest, I think it's really more connected to boredom. Um, and so if I don't have things going on and I don't have a lot of responsibilities in that moment, and I think that probably happens more often in, in the winter time right now in my life. But anyways, that's an interesting thing to, to kind of understand. Anyways, we're going to jump into our game. If you are uh, joining us for the first time, this is IndieQ. We're so glad that you are with us. I'm Bradley and this is my brother, Paul Hicks. My last name is Hicks. I can need to stop saying that every time. Maybe we should just not say our last names at all. We don't, they, no one needs to know. We're more anonymous that way. Yeah, they can't find us on Facebook if we don't share <laughs> our last names. I don't even use Facebook. I haven't touched Facebook in years. So anyway. We're really cool. <laughs> Deep cut. This will be the last time you hear our last name. <laughs> so our game for today is... Into the Breach. Into the Breach. So, uh... This is a game that I played a number of years ago, and you had mentioned it... Uh, that is one of the games you wanted to play, which is funny because we both had very different experiences. Because I played this game uh, on my on my PC, but for you, this was more of a a mobile phone game. Yes. So I was watching, I was listening to a podcast, and they were talking about this game, and I'm like, oh, that seems pretty interesting. And I just looked on my app store, and there it was. Um, and I didn't realize at the time, but because my, our parents have like Netflix, and I'm connected to their account. It was just free for me. I didn't have to pay anything because it's owned by Netflix. Apparently, Netflix has a gaming division. Which, Netflix games. Uh, if you already have a Netflix account, you can play at least some of their games for free. So this is one of those games. So uh, if you have a Netflix account, we highly encourage you to just check this one out because you can't beat the price of free 99 Free $3.99. How much, did you, do you know how much you paid for it? I think it was in the realm of like $10. Okay. So, so it wasn't very expensive. Um, but yeah. Well, what is Into the Breach? So Into the Breach... Is a, I think it's actually a puzzle game disguised as a tactics game. Okay. So explain what a tactics game is for everybody who maybe has, isn't familiar with that uh, genre. Uh, a lot of times, I'm not sure if this is a sweeping genre statement, but a lot of times tactics games are you're controlling different units, especially grid-based tactics, which this one is. Uh, you're moving your specific units around to attack uh, the other uh, enemy units on the board. And you're trying to solve different scenarios. Um, 
defeating all of the enemies with either not losing any of your enemies or losing as few of yours as possible. Um, so this one is uh, mech-themed, and you're fighting off this alien race that has invaded Earth. Um, it is, I believe, a, is it 9x9 or 13x13? Uh, grid combat. It's a great question. I just played. I wasn't. I wasn't <laughs> counting any of the boxes. I don't, I don't. I think it's thirteen by thirteen. I don't think it's nine. Um, but anyway, so you, in the game, you are trying to fight off these uh, these alien creatures while defending uh, different uh, strategic points on the map, which include civilian uh, structures and whatnot. So you'll complete uh, different missions, uh, fighting them off. Uh, each round lasts probably about four or five turns. Uh, if you can survive, you'll continue, and it will uh, then accumulate into uh, the boss battle for uh, one of four uh, sectors in Earth that you're fighting in. Mm -hmm. um, so you're fighting them off, um, moving on to the next area that needs to be defended again, um, and then culminates... Into this final push to blow up their hive. Right. So you've discovered where their hive is, um, and then you'll have a two-part final battle to defeat the the aliens, bug aliens, which are called the Vec. Yeah, I always just think of them as bugs, but then you find other aliens, and like it just looks like a large bee. Oh, that's the beetle. That's the. But there's other other enemies as well. But um, so this game can be beaten. Uh, in a half an hour or less. But the replayability of it comes from the fact that you get to change up your team. So each team consists of three mechs, and there are a, a plethora of different uh, mech teams that you can... What is a plethora? <laughs> that you can unlock. Uh, and so a lot of the game is trying to do different achievements to get these unlock tokens to then unlock a new party of mechs that then you get to have fun exploring their powers and their upgrades. Yeah. Um, and so it's this kind of repeat cycle of like, here are three mechs. Let's figure out their powers. Let's make them really powerful. Let's beat this game. Okay. Next now time. what is the, you know, what's the next cool mech combination that I can unlock? Right. So a lot of the, I think one of the big draws that you have expressed to me about this game is, um, and you, you classified it as near-perfect info. Yes. So in a lot of tactics games, you just you do your turn, and then the enemy eye makes its decisions, and you don't know what's going on. In Into the Breach, it's simple enough, and uh, does a really good job displaying what the enemy is doing. You know where the enemy is attacking, how much it will attack for. There's no probabilities on will, uh, you know, if it's attacking you, if it's going to hit or not. Um, so a lot of times if you make a mistake, it's not like, oh, I got screwed. I had a 90% chance of hitting this enemy and the random number generator didn't come up in my favor and I, now I lost the mission. A lot of times it's, you made a tactical blunder mm -hmm. that was, you know, two or three and, you know, choices back. Yeah. When this is one of the things about this game that, gives it those moments where you're like, yes, I totally, I solved the puzzle, which you kind of mentioned earlier. I solved the puzzle. I feel so good about how I figured out how to move all of, and that's the big thing in this game. It's not just fighting, attacking, and like uh, like just uh, 
hitting him with a sword or something like that. A lot of the different mechs, their ability is to move where the enemy is attacking. So you can make the enemy attack other enemies. Other enemies. Also, you see where new enemies are they're crawling up from the ground. Um, and you can either block that enemy from even appearing by moving your mech over that spot, which you'll take a damage, or move an enemy onto that spot, keep an enemy from coming up and damaging one of the other aliens that are already there, sometimes even killing them, which is super satisfying when you know you damage the enemy a couple, slide it over, it blocks a new enemy from coming in and then dies. You know, it yeah. has moments where you just feel really clever. And a lot of that is due to the fact of how well the mechs on the teams synergize together. Yeah. Um, which is really fun figuring out that combination. And then once you have a bunch of them unlocked, you can also do custom teams where you can pick any three mechs across all of the mechs that you've unlocked to then try to, you know, come up with your own game breaking combo of. You know, you can just pick one that's just, everyone just punches super hard and you can just, you know, utilize that bum rush your way through. Or you could get some ones that are really technical and and tricky Uh and try to see if you can utilize or like what's the weakest seeming combination that I can create and still win. So it has a lot of different ways to come up with challenges for yourself, but also just a ton of really cool um, achievements that give you the points to unlock more that then kind of looking at what the achievement is can kind of help teach you this is how this is meant to function. So I think it does a really good job of like teaching you how to play by like just hinting at this is what you need for the achievement. Right. Go figure out how to make, you know, this thing happen. One of the, so as I was saying earlier, like being able to figure out like how to figure out that puzzle is very rewarding just in my brain. It's just like, boom, yes, I figured it out. But I feel like because of that, it also has a lot of moments where I'm just like, I'm so stupid. Like, why? Like, and you can't just like, there is a, a general, it could be used as like an undo feature, but you only get one of them per battle. Uh, per battle. Um, so like. And it only goes back one section. Like, yes. The start of your turn starts over again. So if you made the mistake last turn, last turn you're just screwed. Um but there has been so many times I was playing this game and I realized that I did something so stupid and there was nothing I could do to fix it. And I just turned my phone off. I was just like, I don't even want to. I can come back to it, maybe figure out this, the new puzzle that I've created for myself because I totally messed up the order of things that I should have been doing. Um, but it has happened a lot of times where I'm just like, I, I totally screwed that up and now I feel stupid. Yeah. I said it's near perfect information. There's a couple things that are still random. Uh, you don't know. So at the end of the turn, you don't know where the the aliens are going to move to and what they're going to be attacking. Um, you don't know where the new sp- like at spawn the end of your turn, you don't know where the new spawn points are going to be. So if you just position yourself really poorly, it could be really hard to get to the correct spots. Um, one uh, random thing in your favor. So uh, there's two different end states where you lose the game. One is if all of your mechs are killed, you just lose. Have you ever had that happen to you? I've never had that happen Neither to me once. Have I. The other lose state, uh, which is way more common, would be if uh, there's these different civilian centers, which basically power uh, the power, power grid. grid. And as more buildings are destroyed, you have a basically a health bar, which lasts the whole game. Your health bar, if it hits zero at any point in the whole game, is the game, game over. over. Um, and so 
a lot of times the aliens aren't attacking you. They're attacking these power grid stations uh, full of civilians. And so you need to, a lot of times, take the hit yourself, uh, you know, versus throw, losing throw the... Throw the mech in front of the civilian's area so you don't lose the game, but your mech dies. Your mech dies, and the pilot, which gives your mechs a couple bonus powers, would die, and you won't get those... You, your mech will come back for the next fight, but you won't have those special little bonuses... Uh, to it mm. um, but those buildings have a percentage chance to not get destroyed so I always have in my mind they are dead they are destroyed mm-hmm. and if it but does, every once in a while you're like man I lost this game just over green. and it green flashes and it says <laughs> building resisted and that's just like it's, which is like the opposite of like some games you know are saying you think you have a 95% chance to hit still a 5% chance to miss. And sometimes that 5% comes up. And instead of this fun excitement, you have this, I was going to win, and I got screwed over by these numbers. These numbers are random, but they can only help you. Yeah. There's, especially if you're viewing it as, this thing is toast, I screwed up, I couldn't figure out the puzzle, I wasn't able to save this, I'm going to lose the game. Oh, I got an extra life, basically. Yeah. Um, so that that's really exciting. I think it's it's a cool way where it's like, Let's let's throw you a bone. We'll still have some randomness in it, but a lot of it is just like it feels good. Yeah. It's not like crap random that just punches you in the face. Yeah, pretty much any time in this game that I've felt discouraged, it's because I did something dumb. There have been a couple of times where I didn't know how far the unit would be able to move, and it's like I can do nothing to save it, and that feels kind of like disheartening. But you, it's because I was out of position. Yeah. Um, Other fun thing about each battle is there are special bonus challenges. That you can do that will get you uh, a currency that at the end of one of the four sections you can spend. So you get these stars. They're called reputation, but yes. You see star on the on the, the icon. Uh, but you can spend them to get uh, a power yes. cores to upgrade your mechs. You can buy different special powers for your mechs. And you can also use them to replenish your health bar for your, your power grid. Um, and so it's fun. If it was just straight up fighting these aliens every single round and you just needed to not lose your health. I think it would overstay its welcome. Mm-hmm. But because each battle has its own special power, I remember sometimes when I'm the most mad is like, I wasn't even close to losing. It's just, you know, there's a special power up that if I defeat this thing and do this special thing, I'll, I'll get, get an additional thing. And, but, and I fail, failed that little thing. The game is nowhere even close to loss, and I'll be so mad. Like, yep. oh, I wanted that special power up. I'm one away from getting this uh, bonus damage on my mech, and so <laughs> I think it just has different level of stakes, which is kind of fun. Yeah, so you can play it in lots of different. I think that I kind of want to come into this game and do it perfectly. Like, there are so many times I've done runs where I'm just like. I never took any damage on my grid. Everything is going so well. All my mechs are super leveled up. Um, and you kind of feel unstoppable, which feels really good. But you can still win a game and have a lot of bad things happen. You have your power grid was at the very low end most of the game. And every time you tried to start charging it back up, it would get depleted again because you weren't able to protect somebody correctly. Um, I think, but I want to do it perfectly, and I know that I probably could if I spend enough time. So sometimes I think I can get locked down in, like, the the minutia and, like, trying to make everything perfect. Yeah. One thing that helps me against that is just how quick the game is in that 
even if you make a mistake and you just be like, I'm so mad, but I'm going to change mechs. I want to play some other people, you know? Yeah. So let's get into this a little bit. One of the things that I noticed with myself in this game is that, like, I, I kind of felt a little bit addicted to the game. Where I just wanted to keep, like, I just wanted to play the next round. And it was really hard for me to, like, put my phone down at night. It's like, oh, I'll just play another round. But that could go for so long. Uh, I think that might have something to do on just where you initially played it. I think... Playing games on phone is so much more addicting and oftentimes designed to be more addicting uh, than playing stuff on PC. And I originally played this game on PC, so I feel like I almost trained myself of like, hey, I'm going to play a couple rounds, I'm, you know, but you're be on done. Computer. And so when I've played it more recently on my phone, I have a great time playing it, but I don't ever feel like I play it nonstop. Yeah. I, it, it was a number of months ago that I first heard of this game, and started playing and I'm like to be honest I did not not like the aesthetics of it very much I'm not really into mech games I don't really care about this like dystopian future like all those things were like against the game but I heard some people talking about it in a really positive light and I was like I'll try it and it hooked me fast even though I'm I wasn't interested in all those different mechanics I'm not I've not really played very many tactics games in general um like really the only tactics games that I remember playing before this one is I played Fire Emblem one time. You, you got Fire Emblem for Christmas one year, and I played that. Yes. And you, you played and Shining Force. It's a really... I don't even know if that's like a game that people know a, about. I've, I've heard more about it lately, but it's an old Sega game that we had on the computer for some Sega collection that we played and, and got really into. But yeah, I definitely got more into tactics. There was some you know medieval tactics game on my... Uh, it's the only game I ever spent money on uh, when I had my eye touch in uh, in middle school or maybe it was early high school. But I just played it to death. It was so fun. And I was playing it with in front of one of my friends and said, oh, if you like this, try Fire Emblem. And I got hooked on Fire Emblem. Um, played the the crap out of uh, the, the Wii version, uh, Radiant Dawn. Um, Isn't that considered like one of the best Fire Emblem games? It, it is. I, so my experience with that game, not to get too sidetracked, was I played it. I thought that I had finished the game because it felt like it wrapped up. I wasn't even really disappointed. And then it was like, chapter two. Here's Ike. And I'm like, what? Ike is in this game? I know Ike from Smash Bros. I didn't even know he was here. And then I was like, okay. And then that wrapped up. Like, wow. That's it really surprised me. Chapter three. And I was like, what? And we played through that. And I'm like, okay, that was so crazy. And it was like, Chapter four. And chapter four is like as long as like I don't know, the game just like kept, kept going. going in the best way possible. And I I think that experience I mean at the time I didn't realize how long a lot of like RPGs or strategy and tactics games typically are. Mm -hmm. So it just kept blowing my mind over and over again. And it really got me hooked. And our, our younger brother David, I feel like, has explored more with the handheld Fire Emblem games. I never had a uh any of the Nintendo handhelds uh, prior to the Switch. I mean, we had the Game Boy Advances growing up, but like most of the other games came out in the DS or, or right. later. And so he played a lot of those and really uh, enjoyed it. And so it's been a one of those uh, games that, if not for Smash Bros., I feel like nobody would know. Right. 
But there are so many characters from Smash Bros. from Fire Emblem that people know the games even if they hadn't even played them. I feel them. like most people get a sour taste from that. It's like, freaking another uh, Fire, Emblem, Fire Emblem clone from some other character. Yeah. They just have swords and they're so good. But yeah, so... Don't get me started on Smash Bros. we got to get off that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I actually want to go back to what we were saying before. You were, you were mentioning about like phone games versus like a PC game or a, a console game. I think I agree with you about the fact that a phone game is so much more addictive. I just think phones are so addictive, and we don't have to go off on a super long tangent, but I think that, like, just phones in general are really bad for the way that humans operate. There's (laughs) there's so many amazing things that are on phones that make life so much easier and simpler, and communication is so amazing, but the more I think about our phones and how it interacts with our life, there's a lot of negative things there. The horrible thing is they're just so convenient yeah. that even if you come to that realization, you t- taking that extra step to actually get rid of them or extremely limit them in your life is just so hard because you have to get rid of so many conveniences. And so, yeah. It's something I've talked to my wife about for a long time, and I've never actually been able to pull the you know the plug on having... You know, not that they don't, don't really have plugs, but you know. Uh, to charge them, you do. <laughs> it's true. But... Uh, I just have never been able to finally get to the point where I'm like, hey, you know what? I don't need a phone because yeah. to this point, I still kind of do. Yeah, I have seriously considered that as well. But let's get back to the game. You guys aren't here to listen to us talk about uh, the dystopian future of our the dystopian future. This is what this this game is showing us what it would be like if we all continue to use our phones. Yep, get invaded by a bunch of bug aliens and, and we'll have, have to use our phones mechs. to create mechs. And then fight off these said aliens. <laughs> There's also some weird time travel element mentioned in the game that I don't fully understand, but uh, it's I don't like, think it really it, adds a whole ton to the, I think it just is trying to show you how to start the game. Why starts the game over. starts over every single time. It's yeah. like, I just beat these aliens. Why am I fighting, fighting again? again? Yeah. Oh, so you guys on a different timeline, like the different, the different like character, the pilots. We're not going to get into all the pilots, but uh, one thing I did want to ask you about this game is if there was like a specific mech team that like really gelled with the way that you wanted to play the game, or you just liked a lot. So I was very close to 100% in the game on PC a number of years ago, and so when I re-got it on my phone, I realized there's a couple new mech teams that I hadn't played as before, and one that I really liked was the, I think they're called the Mistwalkers. Um, normally Mist keeps you from being able to do any of your actions. You can move into it. They're all about making tons of Mist on the board, but they also heal if you uh, end your turn in, in the mist. mist, and it, like, sucks it up and, like, powers it. And so I think it's just a really fun, like, Twist. way of, like, you can stop. You don't have to kill the enemy to stop them from destroying stuff. You can literally Put just mist on drop Mist on them, you know, or attack someone next to them and it drops mist to the side where the other one is at. You kill one, stop one from attacking, and then move another one into the mist, heal themselves, move another one to just like tank some damage. And then after that round, instead of like wasting a turn healing, you, you can just, oh, I'll blow this guy up, move over here, heal. Mm-hmm. And so I think they synergize in a, w- a way that I found really satisfying. Yeah. I think that the the groups, the mechs that have like a lot of versatility, like they can do a lot of different things. To me, like... It allows me to actually figure out a way to uh, get through most situations. My favorite mech team, though, is probably the Heat Seekers. And in a similar way to the Mists, when they're like absorbing the mist, they absorb fire. So the but train is more powerful. So th- their next attack is more more powerful. That that group, and then the Hazardous mechs, which 
both of them do a lot more damage. So I think I do enjoy the moving different different. You uh, like doing lots of damages in creative ways, yes. not just walking straight up to someone and, and punching them. them. Which is fine at the beginning because that's like the only thing that makes a lot of sense. Because the first time you play the game, you're playing with like the the, the basic ones. And it is kind of crazy to realize, like, oh, it's actually really powerful to be able to move the enemy into different areas. Like, how powerful that actually is. So, Was there anything about the game that you didn't gel with or you didn't like? I think the biggest thing issue that I have with the game, and I, I, I guess I kind of alluded to the idea of feeling a little bit addicted and wanting to just keep playing for more and more and more. There, multiple times did I delete this game off of my phone. Like, I was just, I had it on my phone, I was just like, I am playing this game too much. So I'll delete it for a couple weeks, and then I'm like, you know what, I think I'm going to download it again. And I would play it, and then I need to delete this game off, off my phone again. Um, I, I probably didn't spend that much time on it, but the amount of time in one sitting that I could spend was was kind of scary. Yeah. And I think part of that is, like, there doesn't really seem to be a, an end to the game. It's not like I'm like, oh, I just got to gotta play it for another hour, and then I'm, like, at the end of the game, and then I can stop. Because it's a loop, it's a continuous loop, um, I guess if you 100% the game and you have all the uh, unlockables and you've got all the different achievements, that, that might feel like an end, an end, but that wasn't close to where I was. No. I think my biggest dislike for the game was someone addressed in the new uh, phone uh, updates, uh, and that was the variability in the enemy types and the variability in the missions. Once you play for a while, it seems like all the missions are exactly the same, or all your pilot upgrades are exactly the same, or all the enemies. But they have toggles now where you can like have like basically an advanced mode where the enemy types are all uh, different, and your power ups are different, mm -hmm. and so like, I feel like that, just adding that bit of variability. Uh, for me, it was a big boon. And like, okay, I don't have to just do the same mission yeah. over and over again. Protect the train. Or... I hated protect the train ones. They're my least favorite missions. But, but... Anyway. <laughs> Where do you think this falls in well, our list? That is a great question. I do want to make one more comparison. We talked about it being a, a puzzle game. I, I didn't even think... I didn't ever thought about it in that way. But in my head, this game like works in the same space as like chess in Sudoku. Where it's like, I need to figure out some problem and then, uh, but it's so simple that it's, it's it's as simple as Sudoku or chess. It's not quite as simple, but um, the specific movements are yes. almost that simple. Um, and I just wanted to bring that up. Like, if you are somebody who enjoys Sudoku, chess, uh, kind of complex strategy puzzles, this is the kind of game that is like right up your alley. For sure. Could be also as addicting as uh, getting sucked down the playing chess online and trying to get your elo up higher. Except for you don't have a score. You just have... No score and no human points. opponents. So, you know, it could be if you're reeling from just being angry from, you know, playing chess online. I literally have chess and and uh, Into the Breach on the same spot on my phone. And sometimes I'm just like... I can't. Pick. I can't do that. I'm going to switch over to chess. But both of those games are games that I have to delete off my phone because I was playing for too long. Yeah, anyway. So. Let's go to the ranking. So currently in our queue, our, uh, our first three games, number one is Celeste, number two is Dead Cells, and number three is Tunic. Into the Breach is a very different game than those three. And I feel so hard to compare them, but that's what we're going to have to do. So do you have... Do you want to start at the top and work your way down, or bottom and work your way up? Let's start at the top. Start at the top. Okay. Into the Breach versus Celeste. Do you feel any, like, immediate 
areas where you can compare them? I feel like... So it's a rich of a comparison. Okay. The satisfaction component for pulling off a crazy run in Celeste, when you finally get that, oh, I figured it out, mm-hmm. I feel like that is a very similar emotional feel to I solved this puzzle or something when your back's up against the wall and you don't know that you can survive and then you like, every once in a while just clicks. You're like, oh, if I do this, it triggers into this and bounces into this and I'll survive this and I can fight the next day. I feel like that hits a similar um, emotional resonance. I, I actually agree. And I, I don't think we've talked up, I, I feel like of the tactics games that I've played, like Into the Breach is like on another level of like how everything just fits together. It feels like a perfect puzzle piece. Mechanically, it is ridiculously sound, but compared to Celeste, narratively, it is well, lacking. Well, but that's not what it's going for. Right. But I'm just, if you're making that comparison, it's like if you're into the narrative, the story, the feel of the characters, oh, yeah. you don't get emotionally attached. Like, in like a Fire Emblem game, because you have cutscenes and you're like hearing the story and these people's struggles, you, if you lose one to permadeath, one of your characters, you're devastated. You never feel that in this game. Mm-mm. You feel connected to what the pilot could do for you. It's not, not that, that you care about that pilot. To- I uh, 100% totally agree with that. Um, I think it's it's pretty obvious that Celeste is far in a far greater game. And this is a comparison I would make. Into the Breach is like making a layup, and they were trying to make a layup, and they did it with perfection. Like pristine. It was a pristine layup in basketball. Celeste is like shooting from half court and swishing it. They can mess up way harder because it's so much more complex, but Celeste makes the half court shot, whereas it was easy for Into, into the It probably wasn't easy to make it, but they weren't trying to be flashy. They weren't trying to make something way bigger. It was bigger. less ambitious of a project. Yes. So I think, obviously, we're going to have to put Into the Breach below Celeste. So Celeste is going to stay at number one. Now, Into the Breach versus Dead Cells. Oh, Again, very different genres. Don't have a lot of uh, crossover. They are both, in some regards, rogue... I forgot what the... Rogue light. Because each time Into the Breach starts back over at the same spot. Whereas... But Dead Cells, you're going to increase in power as you continue down the line. Well, in, you start in, over. To the breach, you're also upgrading in that you have access to different mechs. And so it's not like the mechs are still at the lowest power setting, but you're able you to. You have unlocked more content. Yes. So that's <laughs> really the, the real. I feel like they have a similar potential addictive nature of like, oh, I'm just going to go for one more run. Mm-hmm. I finished this or I died in a really tragic yeah. way. You know what? I'm gonna. They're not like crazy long games to take one experience in. So I feel like that simple I, loop. You is, mentioned that you could get through a, a round in 30 minutes, and I don't think I've ever been even close to that. If you so went crazy fast, you do not have to fight all four islands before right. you go to the boss. If you go just two islands and fight the boss, it's much uh, shorter. You can do that in about 30 minutes, which is what I was referencing. I feel like. But you have, I know you're the desire to get all your four. mech as powerful as possible, so you will always take all four. I did do a two island run once just because I was going to try it out, and I won. And But anyways, I, 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 do you have any real argument for keeping uh, Into the Breach above Dead Cells? Not, not a strong one. What's I, your, what is your, what is your weak argument? <laughs> my weak argument is, right now, if you told me, hey, go play one of these two games, I would I'd probably pick Into the Breach. 
just a feel. But that's one of those things that can change with time and right. You know, as you get further away from something, doesn't necessarily mean it's better. Just because you'd you know rather go watch you know an episode of Friends or How I Met Your Mother, you know, doesn't mean that that is better than you know, I've never watched Game of Thrones but you know people like that's Game of Thrones is held in really high esteem at least prior to season 8 uh, <laughs> I don't know nothing about that but like but you're gonna not be in the mood for you know this deep lore fantasy you might be into hey let's just watch this stupid sitcom and right. relax so it it's depends on what mood you're in but I'm just saying right now you my know. argument is if I had to pick one of the two, I, w- I would pick Into the Breach. To play? To play. Yeah. I feel like Into the Breach is a game that you can play on the toilet. And you can't do that for Dead Cells. Yeah, with the Switch, you could. And I have. But it does. it's a long trip in the toilet if you go play uh, Numb Dead Cells. legs at the end of <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, you got your... Waking up and your feet are tingling. You can barely walk. I, I'm going to have to be honest with you and say that that's happened to me before. <laughs> okay, so I think you're, you're wanting to push it down below I, I, I think so as well. Yes. So, the last comparison, Into the Breach versus Tunic. See, I hate this. Into the, can you think of any solid comparison between the two? Like, um, they're both video games. <laughs> they, they both have the puzzle aspect. Tunic actually has a lot of puzzles mm-hmm. hidden within it. Um, Tunic is so much, it's so open. I mean, it's not an, an op- it is open world in some regards, but you, you have to get certain... More Metrovania, yeah, to unlock certain things. But it's like you can go walk around anywhere. Into the Breach is like, here is the puzzle. Whereas Tunic is like, you have stumbled across. You feel more like you are the character in Tunic versus you are the mastermind orchestrating where these characters are doing. You are Ender. (laughs) Exactly. I never thought about that. You are Ender in this game. Ender's game. Hmm. Why isn't it just called Ender's game? Perfect. Uh, probably trying to get the rights for that would be yeah. really hard. Or he's got cards, my good friend. I could call him up real quick. Oh, that's great. <laughs> anyway, so where is your feeling between these two? Um, you are uh, definitely way more up on Tunic uh, than Into the Breach when we originally went, or sorry, on Tunic when we originally talked about Tunic uh, than I was. To be honest, uh, Tunic, I don't think, it didn't hit me in the same way it hit you. It's got a cool little art style, but it wasn't, it didn't really grab me. Um, whereas I feel like Into the Breach just like hauled me in and is like, you are going to play this game and you are going to like it. To the point where I'm like, I need to run away. This is <laughs> dangerous for me. So this pains me so much because I think I agree with you in that I think Into the Breach should be placed higher than Tunic. But it angers me so much that Tunic is still at the bottom of our list. We need to, we need to play a bad game. And we're probably not going to for a little while. It's just going to hurt me so bad if we keep playing games and we just can't put... If Tunic ends up... I just don't feel like Tunic deserves to be at the bottom of the list. But when we play such solid games, I don't think it does justice to these other games. I think Tunic is just so, so unique and so fresh. And like taking a very simple thing and making it... It's like, a, it's a wow, game. wow me. Very well-made game. Whereas uh, Into the Breach takes something I know pretty well and just does it's, it phenomenally. Yeah, it distills it down into this. It's bite-sized tactics, puzzle, uh, just does it, it so well. I think that's where it has to go. I can't... That's, I, that's where I want to put it, too. I want Tunic to be higher, but I cannot in good conscience 
rank into the breach lower than third right now. I, I'm in agreement. I think that's where we got to place it. Into the breach is our new number three game on the list. Number one, Celeste. Number two, Dead Cells. Number three, Into the Breach. And number four, Tunic. Can we say it's not last, even though it's the lowest on the list? It's fourth. It's fourth place. Fourth place is a good number. It's the fourth best indie game we've played. That's that's in this list that we have made. Three. (laughs) Oh, four. Sorry. Uh, Anyways, well, another good episode. Okay, so has been Into the Breach.